as soon as he didn't play well in the first game, it was like, um, Aaron Rodgers died today. Um, yeah. The 37-year-old, you know, blah, blah. It, yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. Hey, everybody, what's up? Welcome into another edition of The Chop Shop. This week, we're brought to you by Starbucks Triple Shot Energy Drink. Hey, everybody, what's up? Welcome into another version of The Chop Shop. Week three of the NFL season is in the books, and it's time to break it down and rip things down to the frame of the car and get our hands in there and see what we can come up with. Glad to be talking to my good friend, Mark Schlereth, again. Hey, buddy, how are you? I am doing excellent, Trey. Always great to be on with you. Very excited about... Uh... The wrap up of week three and uh, and and moving forward to week four. I mean, I tell you what, the season's already flying. It's great. Yeah, I want to be clear about one thing before we get started. I'm glad that the two of us are doing this together uh, after the Monday night game because you and I have always been very close. Right. And I just I just want to make sure that everyone knows that we are similar and simpatico right. and Eli Manning is now our favorite Manning. Right. right? It, I mean, you know, we that's do the dead see, giveaway. I, we see eye to eye on this, on see, this subject. You've always, right? you've right? always gotten me and yes. I, I appreciate that about you. Yeah. So again, much like Eli Manning, we're excited about, uh, what we saw on Monday night football. Um, my God stink as an offensive lineman, you had to love the absolute beat down. The Cowboys front line took to the Philadelphia Eagles defensive line. Here's the thing, man. I had uh, I did the Eagles week too, so they're they're a physical group. I mean, they're not they control the line of scrimmage against the against the Niners, and we know how well the Niners can run the football. And so for the for the Cowboys to flip that script and go out there and just dominate the line of scrimmage, and I always say this, man, you control the line of scrimmage in the National Football League, you're gonna win. The majority, the lion's share of the football games, and they absolutely thunder punched Philly. And Philly Hargrove is a, a great player. Obviously, Fletcher yeah. Cox is a great player. Um, I, I tell you what, it was an impressive beatdown. And and I, you do that, and you look at this, you look at the division anyhow, like the NFC East, and you think about, well, was Philly in it? You know, obviously the Giants, so they're still playing in the preseason. Joe Judge is like, hey, we play preseason football for the first four months of the season. <laughs> oh wait, that's right, we're out of it. But anyhow, um, and then I think, oh, you, you think Washington will they get it together defensively? Thought they were going to be tough. They gave up over forty to what uh, for to, to the Buffalo Bills. Right now, it looks like the Dallas Cowboys are going to run away with this division based on physicality and what Dak Prescott's doing right now. And listen, this is a name that no one probably notices in that game and, and no one probably cared. But remember, Lale Collins is suspended for five games mm -hmm. and their backup right tackle, Terrence Steele, played one hell of a football game on Monday night. Yeah, and you know, that's a great football name, right? Terrence Steele. Steel. Right, like it's like yeah. uh, like Pat Angerer when he was a linebacker, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That, that's Absolutely. a great. Like usually when you have like a Hollywood scripted name, this is why I don't think Spencer Rattler will be worth a crap. Like I just don't think that guy's <laughs> gonna play well at all because his name is too Hollywood. It's like it's the name you would script for for a Hollywood show or movie about football. Yeah, yeah that guy can't be any good. But a guy named Steele and actually going out there and playing really well. Uh, that it just feels good to me. That, that I mean, and he did. He did a great job coming in there. 
That's like the, the reserve running back for the Eagles whose name is Gainwell. He's a running back, and his last name is Gainwell. Yeah. I think things are going to work out for him as well. But, but a couple of other things besides stupid names in that Monday night game. You know, the Cowboys have now uh, – they, they took the Bucks to the wire in the Thursday home opener. They go on the road and beat a Chargers team that we think is pretty good now after what we saw uh, uh, from them against Kansas City, which we'll get to in a minute. Where are we on the Dallas Cowboys here? Because – this was a physical beatdown. I mean, like, it was 21-7 to or 20-7.5 to because Zerline missed another kick. That was the closest this game could have possibly been because of one fumble by Dak in the end zone on the one time Hargrove got loose last night. And then I swear he got in on that fourth and inches, but uh, they, they didn't look at it at the overhead camera. Like, 20-7 to was the closest this game could have been. I, I can't remember a more dominant half of football of one team just physically saying to do your favorite thing. The favorite thing in football to do is move a man from point A to point B against his right. will. And they did that at their pleasure. Yeah, they really did. And you're 100% right about just the general physicality, moving a man from point A to point B, all those things that, that you know, sound cliche or sound fun, but they're just 100% true. You do that on a consistent basis. I don't care who your quarterback is. And then on top of it, Trey, I mean, you mentioned it. The Thursday night game to open up the season against Tampa Bay. How good was Dak in that game? How good has Dak been all season long? And we're not just talking about comeback player of the year. They talked about this on the Monday Night Broadcast. You're talking about MVP caliber play right now. On top of what he's been able to overcome. It's just been so impressive. And I tell you, they... Yeah, and, and you know, I always feel like I feel this way about the Cowboys. Like eventually they're gonna cowboy, you know, they're just gonna kind of yeah. roll over and make a mistake. Man, that that game was not close. And it started and it finished the same way with just a beatdown of epic proportions. Well, the last thing before we move on to something else is last year the Dallas Cowboys gave up the most points in franchise history. What Dan Quinn has done on the defensive side for Dallas, and they got playmakers on all sides of the ball. And this is without Tank Lawrence being there. Mm. Uh, Their premier pass rusher, Micah Parsons, has come in there and slid in and played really, really well uh, for them in that position. But they lead the league with eight takeaways, including a a 69-yard pick six uh, last night. That was a huge problem from a year ago. From the defensive side, we all know the Cowboys, as long as they're healthy, are going to be good on offense. On the defensive side, Mark, they were phenomenal on all three levels. Yes. Uh, Dan Quinn's one of my favorite people in the NFL. And he gets his guys to play so exceptionally hard for him. Um, yeah. And, you know, and obviously things didn't work out. And after you have a, a 28-3 to lead in a Super Bowl and, you know, and things kind of blow apart, yeah. that those things happen. But let me just say that Dan Quinn gets the best out of his players. He's a relational guy. He does a great job of building those relationships and the other thing I love about Dan Quinn's style is let's keep it simple, stupid. Let's play yeah. what we play. Let's make sure that we execute what we play. Let's make sure our guys know exactly where they're supposed to be at all times. And let's free them up from thinking and just let them go play an aggressive style of football. And then when you add that to a guy like Parsons, who, like, let's face it, man, you're, you're playing backer and you're going, okay, wait a minute, now we're going to need you to play a rush defensive end. And you come in there right. and you put as many pressures and sacks and hits. And, and I mean, exceptional. What a draft pick it looks like he's going to turn out to be um, phenomenal at what they've been able to do. But, again, keeping it simple, letting his players just go out there and execute and play hard for him. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a big Dan Quinn fan that way. 
Yeah, and we'll even uh, we'll move on from Mike McCarthy's horrendous not use of timeouts at the end of the first half. Can't take them with you. You might want to right. use them and try and put points I, on I the board. I think you actually. That's, I think you yeah. can. I, I, and I'm not sure. We might have to check this with research. I think you can sell them on eBay. I, but I'm not. I'm <laughs> not. I'm not 100 sure. But I think. It's the only logical explanation right. for not taking one of the two he had at the end of the first half, but we move on. If Dak and Dallas were so impressive on Monday night, the Rams on Sunday, Mark, okay, you had Tom Brady, the defending champs, coming into town with a nine-game winning streak in which they had scored at least 30 points in every one of those nine wins, longest such streak in NFL history. You know what the Rams said? I don't care. That uh, was another physical beat down the Rams beat the Bucks at the point of attack time and time again they certainly did and, and I will tell you you know it's it's one of those I was thinking about this today and Matthew Stafford and I've been a huge Matthew Stafford fan for a long time and I've called him an elite quarterback forever and people look at me like all right he never wins he can't, can't get his team to the playoffs again that I'm like you you wait you put him on a good football team with people that surround him that can play, and you're going to see the best of Matthew Stafford. And that's what we're seeing under Sean McVay and the Rams right now. He's a phenomenal player. And, like, I I had this conversation last year. I'm doing a Detroit game, and I'm talking to Bruce Arians. And Bruce says, man, one of the few guys I will ever come out of the locker room, drag my fat ass out of the locker room to watch play or watch warm up, he said, is Matthew Stafford. He said, yep. he, he goes, one, he's tough as shit. And two, he goes, the dude's an elite level thrower of the football. I love watching that guy just even warm up. He is such, I mean, he's such a competitor. He's such a great player. And, and I'll say this, like Detroit letting him leave, right? And, and making the yep. trade. Now I know you're getting two first round picks for it, but it just makes me excited. This guy's going to get a chance at least to compete at a level he deserves. Like, he's always competed at that level, but he's going to have a team around him that can actually compete for a championship, that compete yeah. for a playoff berth and a playoff championship and maybe a Super Bowl title. So I, I think it's classy. I think it's really cool, and, and I'm really excited for the Rams. And you're right, every level, whether it's Cooper Cup and whether it's Woods or whether it's Aaron Donald and Ramsey – They've got elite-level players everywhere on their roster, and, and that's what you're seeing right now. Well, listen, Cooper Cup has been absolutely phenomenal, but uh, you know, one of the people that works with Stafford also works with me, and he told me this story. Like Stafford said the other day, like in Detroit, it, even if Megatron was double-covered or triple-covered, he was my go-to and I didn't have much else. He said every time I drop back in the Sean McVay offense, three guys are open. I don't know where to throw the ball. Right. And he's been absolutely incredible. And the other thing that's just amazing about the Rams, like it's going to change eventually. Like Again, Mahomes never lost a September game until he's lost two in a row, which, again, we'll get to. He's 40-0. and The Rams are 40-0. and under Sean McVay when they have the lead at halftime. I mean, that's finishing games. Like, that's the thing that you want to do. It's fun to have a great start, but can you finish? The Rams, when they get ahead under Sean McVay, are incredible finishers. They are. And and I think the thing that's interesting about Sean is there is this misconception about what he is because he likes to spend a lot of time in three wide receiver sets and bunch formations and you know, it's uh, he always calls it the illusion of complexity and the illusion of spread. And, you know, so you think you've got to define or defend this incredible passing game, which you do. 
But it really starts with them physically whipping your butt. They're going to run the ball. They're going to get those attempts. Then all of a sudden, they're going to have their play action and their run action stuff off of those attempts. They're going to create and design several play actions. They're going to be explosive plays where you're going to get guys one-on-one wide open. Um, That's what Sean McVay does. And it's really, like I said, under the guise of, hey, we're really complex. And, hey, you know, we're a spread football team. And, hey, we're going to throw it 50 times a game. And at the end of the day, that's not a, that's not at all who they are. They, they are. they are built just like the 49ers are built under Kyle Shanahan. But instead of doing it out of two backs and two tight ends and, you know, and, and, and heavy personnel, they're doing it out of three wides and, and they're doing the same stuff. They're just changing the personnel. They're changing what they look like, but they still have the same philosophical approach to the way they want to play football. The pickup of Sony Michelle in the trade before the season turns out to be a really good one, obviously, with the loss of Cam Akers. 20 carries, 67 yards. Kept them on schedule, as you like to mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Uh, the Rams, look... It's early. Nothing is won here. Again, the Bucks were 7-5 and five last year before they won that tear to win. But right now, the Rams, to me, appear, the team to, appear to be the team to beat in the NFC. Let's move on to the Sunday night game. And I don't know, Mark, you and I are on the same page on this. I'm trying to get everybody else on the same page on this. I don't know if there's ever a better example of why wins and losses are not a quarterback stat than what we saw Sunday night in Santa Clara, Levi Stadium, Packers, and Niners. Jimmy Garoppolo, with his team behind, leads the team down the field to score a go-ahead touchdown with 37 seconds left in the game. They're up. The, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers have no timeouts, and the Niners lost the game, and somehow that game is considered a loss for Jimmy Garoppolo, which is the dumbest thing of all time. Yeah, it was incredible. What a game. What a finish. Um, and Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I thought Jimmy Garoppolo was great. I thought he was great in that last drive. I thought the Niners, uh, you know, I mean, for all intents and purposes, that no timeouts, 37 seconds. Now, the one thing, and, and I'll ask you this because you're a real student of the game and a real, you know, like you understand game management. When they kicked that ball off, I was like, why did you not squib it? Thank like, you. Why did you not so make the them return same it? Thing. Yeah. What? Make like, them make them burn some clock. You're gonna you're gonna if you squib it, it you know you, the the it doesn't the clock doesn't start till the player touches it right. But you're getting at least five seconds off that clock. They yeah. kick that field goal in scramble mode with about three seconds left. So you're gonna get yeah. at least five seconds, which puts you under that much more duress as an offense when you're trying to come up with that kind of big play over the top, right? So I I just. Game management-wise, I thought there's no way you should just kick it off through the end of the end and through the back of the end zone. You should have yeah. you should have at least burned five seconds off that thing. I guess the only other alternative to that stink would be like, okay, what if they catch it on the first hop and suddenly they're at the 45-yard line? I, I I'm with you. I would have tried to pooch something. Yeah, you know, sort of in there, but like just to, just to bang it out of the back of the end zone that would have been the last of my three options right okay i can either try and hit a knuckler that'll bounce around for a while let's pooch something in the field of play that they have to deal with or i can get it out of the back of the end zone option 3 would have been back of, out of the back of the end zone the other the other two would have made more sense right the kickers are so good in today's game that they can pooch it high and make you catch it right about the one or two yard line, and and basically make yeah. you return the football. They have that. They have that ability. So it just 
it just kind of shocked me that that's the direction they went and ultimately end up losing that game. But you're right. And then Aaron Rodgers, I mean, like there's two things. One, you know, we're so quick to write everybody's obituary, right? Like, I, I, I was told he was uninterested. I, I mean, I was told by so many people, hey, look, he doesn't care anymore. Yeah, kind of felt is, like he cared. This That's is, just me. This is my vision right here. Like, as soon as he didn't play well in the first game, it's like, um, Aaron Rodgers died today. Um, yeah. The 37-year-old, you know, blah, blah. It, yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. And then, you know, like not only the field goal, where he's you know jumping for joy and he's so excited they win the game on the fifty-one yarder by Crosby, but the I think it was the series before that he had Devonte uh, he had Adams on yep. they they ran like a cover two the corner was rolled up and he ran a corner route and he missed him and, on the back shoulder right yeah. and Aaron was he was so pissed at himself. He's like, yep. I just missed, I missed a, a golden opportunity. Like it was the one errant throw he had, right? And yeah. like he was so angry and so upset with himself. And you're like, yeah, you're telling me he doesn't care. You're telling me he's yeah. not a competitor. You're telling me that uh, he really wasn't into it. Give me a break. Just give me a break. The throw to to Devontae over Fred Warner, you can't make a better throw. I mean, like that that cleared Warner's hand by maybe an inch and dropped right into Devonte on the crossing. I mean, like if you, if you're not interested, not only do you you can't make that throw, you don't think about making that throw. Right. And I loved his post game interview. He said, "How can you not be romantic about football?" I agree. Right. And that's that's why we do this show. So congratulations to the Cowboys. Congratulations to Matthew Stafford and the Rams and Aaron Rodgers for holding off his obituary obituary just yet. But when we come back on the other side of the break, where is our level of concern about Kansas City and how highly do we think of the Chargers? We'll get to that after this on the Chop Shop. Week three of football's in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed weekend, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. And listen up, because you don't want to miss this deal. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any Week 4 game to receive $150 in free bets instantly. The Sportsbook is not available in your state yet, don't worry. DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code WINGO to receive $150 in free bets when you place a bet of $1 on any football game. That's promo code WINGO this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager required. One per customer, and restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, back with Mark Schlereth as we're breaking down uh, week three of the NFL in the chop shop here. And Stink, I, I think you can see two things in one game. When you talk about the Chargers and the Chiefs and the last place Kansas City Chiefs and the Chargers going to Arrowhead and winning now two times in a row. Now, last year at week 17, the Chiefs had wrapped everything up, so they didn't play any starters. Uh, the Chargers won that one. If you're the Chargers, you are excited about what you're seeing out of your quarterback, Justin Herbert. He made the throws necessary. 
And Brandon Staley, the head coach, fourth and four, don't care, going for it. Fourth and nine, don't care, going for it. He knew the defense he was playing, and he was not afraid. Yeah, there's no question about it. And when you have the players that they have, and when you have that confidence in your quarterback, and you believe he's going to give you the opportunity, he's going to throw it to the right guy, and your players are going to win their one-on-one matchups. Mike Williams was phenomenal. Uh, Keenan Allen is... Keenan Allen is one of the best football players in the National Football League that nobody talks about. He just he just yep. is. And he's a tone setter. He's tough. Uh, he runs great routes. He's physical. He's big. Like, they just have some guys that, that they believe in. They believe are going to make the plays at the at the junction point. And, and, and that's exactly what they did. And you got to have, you know, you've got to have, bottom line, you got to have a quarterback who has balls. And, and yeah. Herbert has balls. I mean, that dude just is going to make a play. And they have so much faith in him. And I, I tell you what, they're fun. They're a fun team to watch. Very much like we talked about Dallas earlier. They're a team right now that is thriving in the confidence that they have in themselves. They believe that the only people that can beat us are us. Yeah. And when you have that kind of – I mean, I've been on those teams, right? When you have that kind of belief in your football team – Sky's the limit, and boy, I tell you what, they are they are fun to watch right now, and fun to see Staley have the confidence in his football team and in his young quarterback to make those moves and make those calls. Well, Herbert has what you really want. He has balls and he has brains. Like yeah. he's super super smart. Now, I will say this: the Chargers tried to give that game away. They tried mm-hmm. with a bunch of pre-motion pre-snap penalties again that backed them up when they had a first and goal from the whatever. So. Like, they almost did it, but the Chiefs topped them. And this is the other thing that I think is true about that game. Give the Chargers all the credit in the world. They made the plays necessary. But for the second straight week, we've seen Kansas City beat themselves. Like, Mark, can you remember the last time a team was minus four on the turnover differential? Chiefs gave it away four times. Chargers didn't give it away once. And it was a close game. Yeah, That's a blowout. In 99% of the time, if you are minus four on the turnover differential, you're getting your ass kicked by 17, 20, 24 points. And this was a nail biter. And this is the point I'm trying to make about Kansas City. They had the Clyde Edwards Hilaire fumble in week two that essentially cost them the game. He then fumbled again uh, for the second time in seven carries uh, after going 246 touches without a fumble to start his NFL career. The Chiefs' first three drives all ended in turnovers. Kansas City, as much as the Chargers did what was necessary, Kansas City beat themselves. So while they are one and two, and they are currently in last place in the AFC West, these are very fixable mistakes for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, you're you're 100% right about the four, the minus four in turnover differential, (laughs) and you're in every game. And it just goes to show you, uh, how dynamic they are, especially on the deep or on the offensive side of the ball, and then they go out and get Josh Gordon, right? Like they're not yeah. talented enough on the offensive side of the ball. Like, hmm, what could we do? Our defense is really struggling. Let's get more offensive players. That's going to be this. That's going to be the thing that solves <laughs> it, right? I mean, well, I, they realize they realize they're just going to have to outscore everybody. I mean, they right. listen. Andy's not. By the way, glad to hear see that Andy Reid is okay and yes. healthy and back after a little scare. But he's smart enough to realize this is what we've got. This is how we're going to need to win. Right, and and look who we got pulling the trigger. Look at who our quarterback is. Yeah. 
I'm telling you, like, they are a nightmare because even if you lose the turnover battle, even if you play the time possession game, even, I mean, give me all the even ifs in the world. You know what they're going to do? They are going to make so many plays on the offensive side of the ball, they, they'll be in every game regardless of what the scenario is. That's, that's who they are. That's true. And it is, it's, they're just so damn talented and they're so well coached in that, you know, in that realm. Um, turnovers, like if they, if they don't turn the ball over and we've seen them the last couple of years, remember if you go back to their Super Bowl year in 2019 where they won the Super Bowl, they were like dead last in defense through 10, 11 weeks. And then all of a sudden it was like flip the switch and they became one of the best defenses over the last six weeks of the season and in through the playoffs. So, you know, they have that capability, Trey. I'm not saying they'll do that, but they have the capability right. to do that, especially if they don't turn the ball over and make teams one-dimensional. They don't turn the ball over, and they're up. They've been behind in every game. They're up yep. by, you know, 14. They're up by 17. Then all of a sudden, you're going to see a, a, a Kansas City team that starts blowing people out. But if I'm a Chiefs defender, I'm a little – you. You were insulted. Like someone just sort of slapped you in the face and said, fourth and four, you can't stop us. Fourth and nine, you can't stop us. So if you're, uh, you know, Chris Jones or Clark or Dirty Dan Sorensen or, or Taron Matthew, you better take that personally because that's basically someone completely disrespecting you. Yeah, no, absolutely. You have to. Those things are, those are personal affronts to you as a player. And when yeah. a team basically, quote unquote, disrespect you like that and, and they get away with it, um, yeah, you better you better take it personally. You you better be upset about it. Not hey, listen, they've got so much pride. They've been back to back Super Bowls. You don't go to back to back Super Bowls if you don't have a lot of pride as a football player. And um, and they do. And and they'll I, I guarantee you they'll respond accordingly. So we'll see what happens with them. As long as they don't turn off the ball, I think they'll be fine. AFC West is fascinating because we think the Chargers and Chiefs are both really good. Denver's off to a great start, although they haven't really played anybody. And then there's the Raiders. And we'll get to the we'll get to the Broncos a little bit later uh, down the road. We'll see how this plant pans out. But here's what has impressed me the most about the Raiders: their problem has always been finishing, right? Like for example, last year not only did they score the most points in the fourth quarter in 2020, they gave up the most points in the fourth quarter in 2020. And what have we seen already from them? They've played two home games. They were only two and six at home last year. Both their home games have gone to overtime. And both games they've won. So what we've seen from the Raiders are, is an incredible individual performance from Derek Carr, which we'll get to in a minute. But more importantly, Mark, as a team, instead of finding ways to lose games, they are finding ways to finish games. And that's something that is perhaps more important than any other stat you can look at. And it's a very undefinable quality. And right now, the Raiders have found the secret sauce. Yeah, they certainly have. And, and you think about... Starting a game where you're down 14 nothing, you spot the other team 14 points, and then you know you get a safety and it's 14 to two, and you climb back into this thing. You, you you score 25 unanswered points. Like when you do that, like I mean, first off, it's really hard, you know, to overcome a 14 point deficit in the National Football League, right? Correct. And then. To have the issues and to make some, you know, unforgivable sins in regards to mistakes you've made, and yet you still have the ability at the end of the game to find a way to tie it up and find a way to win a football game in overtime, 
there is something there is something that builds there's something special about that just kind of from an environmental standpoint and the way you feel about each other and you know you think about what they did last year on the defensive side of the ball when you studied them last year they were so they were they were one of the biggest disguised teams in football because they didn't have the personnel to overcome the lack of talent, right? So they're constantly, everything they do is, we're going to show you one thing, we're going to play something else. You know, it was all David Copperfield, right? The whole, their whole game plan was that. And unfortunately... It's an illusion. Yeah. And unfortunately, when you play that way, oftentimes you end up, you know, shooting yourself in the foot. You, You get a little too fancy. You take a little too much time. You disguise for a little too long. And the next thing you know... You know, you're watching Ryan Fitzpatrick throw one down the sideline. You're like, oh, what happened, right? Those are the things. As his, as his head is being jerked around by a face mask. <laughs> right. Those are the things yeah. that happen to you. This year, not so much, man. Max Crosby is playing great. They've got some nice good defensive performance going on. Um, they're just they're just built differently. They've done a great job of, of that. And you mentioned Derek Carr, man. The dude is just playing lights out football right now. He did something on Sunday, and people say it's two overtime games, but I don't care. Uh, he's just the fourth quarterback in NFL history to throw for over 1,200 yards through the first three games of the season. I find this list fascinating. The other three are Tom Brady, of course, Hall of Famer. Uh, Hall of Famer Kurt Warner, of course, greatest show on offense. Do you know who the other one is? You want to take a guess? Um got to be got to be somebody that's just kind of an also rand is it correct okay he's the ultimate he's the ultimate also rand journeyman ultimate also rand is it uh, Derek Anderson it's Ryan Fitzpatrick really <laughs> yes with the bucks in 2018 okay yeah Remember that makes, when he was- yes that makes I, sense. I just love I love the fact that somehow Ryan Fitzpatrick is on that list I just that that makes me feel good about life. That somehow Ryan Fitzpatrick is on this list with Tom Brady and Kurt Warner and now Derek Carr. That he, of all people, the guy who's played for half the league and you know has been all this stuff and done all these things and is the ultimate. And eh, we'll put Fitzpatrick in here. He's found a way to do that. I just, I just think that's the greatest. I don't think it's a debate anymore. Justin Tucker is the greatest kicker in the history of this league. I mean, my God. A 66-yarder off the stoink crossbar to win the game. He's the surest thing in football right now, Mark. There's nobody else that I would I would put my money on saying, is this guy going to execute his job when he has to over anybody else in the league? I'm picking Justin Tucker. I, I don't think there's any question. What was it? I, I think I saw Field Yates put something out. Or our, our oh, here it is. From, you ready? Here, oh, yeah, I got, it, I got it all. You ready? I hear yeah. all the nuggets, okay? He has made 50 straight field goals in the fourth quarter and in overtime. Of those 50 straight field goals, uh, 21 were 40 or more yards, 7 were 50 or more yards, and Sunday was the longest kick in the history of the NFL, uh, 66 yards. Oh, wait, it gets better. He has made 16 straight. He's never missed a kick inside the final minute of regulation. He is 16 for bleeping 16. He is automatic. You know what bothers me though um, is now like my my certificate of participation when Jason Elam had the longest field goal in NFL history 
is pretty much worthless now because it's been broken. Well, I was about to say, Prater took care of that for you a few yeah. years ago. Yeah, I know, but I just don't even know what I, I, I should I even continue to display it? So, you know, the story behind it no. is Jason Elam. Jason Elam kicked a 63-yarder. I think it was the Ty Dempsey's record, right? Yep, yep, And yep, yep. Um, at the time, our special teams coach, a guy by the name of Rick Dennison, was our special teams coach. Um, I made him get us all certificates of participation for because Jason's shoe or something went into the Hall of Fame. None of us were going. I was the left tackle on that uh, particular kick. And so I made him give us all in a team meeting um, certificates. Of, we all had to go up and get our certificates of participation in the, in the longest fifth field goal in uh, NFL history. Um, and it was quite the uh, it was quite the ceremony. I loved every second of it. And uh, and now my certificate is pretty much worthless. Yep, uh, you can pretty much, uh, if you run out of dude wipes, just use that. Yeah. Um, so uh, we'll wrap it up here because I, I think it, it's a special kind of hell for Lions fans. Mm. Like, th- they played hard in that game, um, you know, and people say it was a lucky bounce. Well, don't give up a fourth and 18, right? You, you had a fourth and 18, close right. the game right there. But here, here is the s- seventh level of hell that Lion fans exist in. Like, they've scrapped through the first three weeks, but you know how it gets in. Like, when you scrap for three weeks and you have nothing to show for it, that's when the doubts come in. Like, I always say, no team sucks in September. Half of them suck in December, right? Because everybody thinks they're good in September, and then they don't win, and suddenly that bite kneecaps mentality isn't there anymore, if you know what I mean. So I, I credit the Lions for going all out through these first three weeks, but still finding ways to come up short with that kick by Justin Tucker on Sunday, the Detroit lions became the only team in the history of the NFL to lose two games on a 60 yard field goal at the end of the game by the same kicker. Justin Tucker did that to them on a Monday night football game in 2013 when he hit a 61 yarder. I don't know if there's anything else that sums up the futility of the Lions and the frustration of their fans than that. Yeah, that, you know what, you want to talk about, uh, you want to, you want to talk about just <laughs> sad. It's brutal. It is just it's brutal. sad. But I, I'll give you, I'll give you on a different note, something that I found incredibly sad. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. obviously the Steelers lost to the Bengals. Big, big Ben looks like he's 100. Like the guy's 57 years old. It just does not. Like, think about this. Tom Brady is six years older than Ben Roethlisberger. And Ben Roethlisberger looks like his grandfather right now, the way they're playing in Pittsburgh. But here's what I found interesting. Boyd, I believe, said that the Steelers quit. So he basically pointed the fingers at the Steelers and said, hey, man, in that game, the Steelers quit. And I thought yeah. to myself, there is nobody that knows what quitting looks like in the NFL better than a Cincinnati Bengal player. Like they have been <laughs> quitting for four decades. Like they, like if, like that is one hundred percent true. There is nobody that knows what that looks like better than a Bengals player. So I know uh, quitting. That's quitting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hey, yeah. I'm an expert at it, and I know what quitting looks like. We've been doing it for four decades, and that team quit. Uh, so again, uh, just. I do feel bad. Like one of our people that produces the show claims to be a Lions fan is a Turk. I just, 